Hi, I'm James Atkinson, and welcome to the conversation we recorded this week with Sterling Howland, co-founder of Bolter Brewing. Sterling is a self-taught marketing and branding expert who spent 19 years at surf brand Billabong, starting on the retail floor and working his way up the ladder to become its creative director. Through this career, he met the other founders of Bolter, pro surfers Mick Fanning, Joel Parkinson, B. Durbridge and Josh Kerr, who approached him to help bring their vision of a beer brand to life. Enjoy the conversation, but first, a word from our sponsor. Brews News is made possible by Brewpack, Australia's number one craft contract brewer. With over 100 craft beers and ciders on the roster and counting, Brewpack specialises in offering growing craft breweries a home for their packaged and kegged beer, no matter how crafty. Serious about handmade beers and with an open-door policy, Brewpack's brewers love having passionate, hands-on partners in the brewery. Thinking about craft contract brewing? Think Brewpack. And uh, yes, we thank Brewpack for not only making a whole lot of great craft beers possible, but also for making this podcast possible. Well, Sterling Howland, thanks very much for joining us on Radio Brews News. My pleasure, gentlemen. Obviously, a lot is known about some of the other founders of Bolter. You spent a lot of time in the Billabong business, which I suppose is how you came to know Mick Fanning and Joel and, and the other guys. Tell us about your time at Billabong when you actually ended up as creative director. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, I started at Billabong when I was 14 years of age, actually, as I was there as a pup. And um, I don't know if you remember but back in school, you used to have to go do work experience. And I really didn't know what I wanted to do as a career. So I needed a job on weekends. So I went to the Billabong shop and I said, hey, uh, I'll do work experience for a week and I'll show you that I'm a good worker and hopefully you'll employ me the following weekend. So I went there, gave them five free days of my time and they employed me. And uh, I didn't know it at the time, but that would end up um, becoming my career path. And uh, yeah, it was a pretty a bit of a lucky break, I think. So I didn't love the books at school. I like sort of learning practically and on the run a bit. And that whole moment gave me the opportunity to actually, yeah, not have to go to uni and, and do all that formal sort of stuff. So, yeah, I didn't know it at the time, but it was a very lucky break as a 14-year-old. And then I spent the next 19 years there. So um, I launched the dot-com for Billabong in the late 90s. And at the time, uh, I didn't realise that the digital revolution was going to be such a sort of massive thing on the future of the world, I guess. And um, again, lucked into a part of the business at the time wasn't super glamorous. Um, you know, I was like, oh, print media is where it's at. I, I want to do all the print media stuff and all the ads and all the cool marketing stuff. And I, I went into the digital space and uh, it actually became another really lucky break for me. And my whole sort of next 10 years were really about pioneering the internet for, you know, a global brand. So I learned a lot. Um, in that time, and then eventually led on to becoming uh, the creative director there, working on all the global campaigns. And now, obviously, you're in the beer industry. How was Balter conceived for people who who aren't aware of your role in this, in starting up the business? Yeah, so basically, it was seven mates who started Balter. Like I mentioned earlier, a lot of us have known each other since we were teenagers. And basically, you know, the boys have travelled around the world their entire lives, you know, as, as professional surfers and. You know, when they were younger, they were probably drinking a lot of crappy beer. And over that time, they've just slowly transitioned into better beer, you know, good beer. And, you know, probably about four years ago, B. Derbidge, one of our mates who surfs for a living, he um, got it in his head that he wanted to start a brewery. He was he was sort of very dogged that he was going to start a brewery. B's from North Stradbroke Island. 
and um, he wanted to start it on the headland there, which is one of the most picturesque places on earth. He soon realised logistically that that probably wasn't going to be a very good option, uh, given that you know it's it's crop. You got to get the beer across on a barge and, and get it off an island. But you know the people at Stratty enjoy beer, so I don't think he would have got too much off the island, even if he wanted to. So he realised he had to sort of set it up somewhere else, and um, you know, sort of two years on in December 2014, I got a call from Mick Fanning, and I thought Mick was just looking for some life advice. You know, where to next? don't know why but I thought he, that's what he wanted to talk about and yeah he said hey mate the thing is starting a brewery um, would you be interested in being a part of it I was like yes I think that'd be a great idea so um, I guess yeah the rest is history you'd already been a craft beer drinker yourself to that point yeah massively I think um, I always tell people you know my first sort of interaction with good beer is probably back maybe a decade ago and you know it was when little creatures are really on fire and doing wonderful things and I guess exposing good beer to a lot of people and um, I remember being at the supper club in, in Melbourne and we were in there you know drinking some spirits and back in the day you could actually smoke a cigar in there and we were just having fun and having a good day and I just remember wanting a beer and I just saw this bright ale and I was like oh, I might grab a bright ale I don't know what a bright ale is but I'll, I'll drink one it sounds pretty interesting with the description I remember drinking this beer and I was floored by it I was like wow this isn't like anything I've ever had before. And it just captured the imagination at that point. And I think that kind of set me off on my personal journey in good beer and kind of haven't looked back since. And you guys obviously were very fortunate to, he took a lot of convincing, but to, to get Scotty Hargrave on as head brewer. And, you know, probably the other piece in the puzzle was coming up with how you're actually going to brand Bolter. What went into that? Yeah, so... When we set this up, so when Mick called me in 2014, I was like, okay, cool, mate. Sounds really good. Like, you know, have you got a venue? And he's no. I was like, oh, have you got a, you know, got a brewer? No. Um, have you got a name? No. Have you got anything? No, no. We just know we want to start a brewery and we want to do it with our friends. And I was like, okay, we've got a bit of work to do. So we knew quite quickly that we had to put a team together who could run the business. So, you know, from branding and marketing through to operations and the whole back end of the business. And then, most importantly, the brewer. You know, from the very first day, we knew that we could create a nice brand and we could hopefully run a business. But if the beer's crap, it's crap. And it's a gimmick. No one's going to want it, you know. So from the very first day, we had our very first discussion. It was always about the beer. It was always creating the best beer we possibly could. And you can only do that with, with the best brewer. So that started that journey. And, you know, we had a number of people earmarked. You know, we are very fortunate. The good beer industry's pretty open and you know we we're chatting to all different people and getting really great advice but scotty hargrave came across our table you know courtesy of matt kirkengard and yeah we met this guy and you know at the start he was really standoffish and and i think a bit wary he's like oh what are these fancy surfer boys you know wanting to get into the craft beer movement for and are their motives right and anyway scotty spent the next six weeks and you know not really giving us any inclination that he wanted to, was even remotely interested in, in starting out with us. And um, at one point, we just thought he hated us. And um, we're like, oh, that guy just doesn't really like us. Or, you know, maybe he's just not a happy person or, or I don't know what his, what his job is. But Scotty was just a bit standoffish. But I think once he got under the hood and sort of saw where all our minds were at and, and our attitude towards what we were doing, he realised that, you know, I guess our hearts were in the right spot and, you know, we cared about making good beer as much as he did and um 
you know, and that's one thing we all had in common. And, and at that point, it was just all systems go. I think he also got a swift kick to his bum uh, from his missus. So thanks, Nick, for giving Scotty a kick in the bum because I do feel we got one of the best brewers we could have possibly asked for. So. And so it was Mick who came up with the name Bolter. Perhaps you could talk about that, but also how you then decided how to bring that brand to life. Yeah, so far out, you know, making a brand and I guess creating an aesthetic and the communications and everything, you know, it's really important to me. It's something that's obviously my background and what I'm interested in the most. You know, we always say that choosing a name for a business is probably harder than choosing a name. It was harder than choosing my daughter's names, I can tell you that much. And, you know, we had about 150 names down on paper and nothing looked right or felt right or sounded right. Everything, it felt like they were just trying too hard to be cool or different. And we just didn't like anything. And, you know, Nick, he's a three times world surfing champion. He's good at surfing, but we found out he's also pretty good on the internet. And uh, he was just lurking around the internet, just looking and for words and names and all this different thing. And he came across this one word, Bolter. And I really like how it sounded to start with, but it, its meaning is what kind of grabbed us. And it means to dance artlessly without particular skill or grace, but usually with enjoyment. And I was just thinking of that. And I just, it made me smile to start with. And I think if anything can make you smile, it's a good start. But I just love the meaning. It had a sense of humility about it, meaning you don't have to be the best in the world to actually be having a great time. But it was with that with enjoyment piece that really stuck out to me because that's what good beer was to us. And you know, good beer and beer for people in general is usually attached to the best moments in life. Like that's what makes beer so wonderful. You know, whether you're winning a world title or whether you just mowed the lawn really, really well and you're really proud of yourself, a beer is this full stop. It's this little token of awesomeness that just rounds out great moments and you know that with enjoyment piece really sung to us and at that point we were like Salter with enjoyment yep that that about sums it up and um you know we look back on that and and it had to also another important part is it actually had to be easy to say I thought, well I love the simplicity of it you know I'll just have a couple of bolters thanks uh grab us a couple of bolters and once we started throwing it around like that, yeah, we knew it had set the foundation to actually to be able to go and build a brand around. And that name and the meaning really set the tone of, of the Bolter brand. I think a lot of people see our brand. It's very clean and quite simple. It's got a vibrancy to it. And I guess that sense of enjoyment comes through our aesthetic, through that little smiley face and just a couple of simple details like that. And I guess, you know, people shop with their eyes. They you know, we eat with our eyes, we kind of drink with our eyes before we even taste something where we're engaging with its aesthetic. And you know, it was really important that what we designed um, was something that would engage people's eyes. But also just, we knew that Scotty was going to make wonderful beer. And I didn't want to create something that was so ostentatious and crazy to wrap around that beer. I wanted to create something that was just a nice wrapping to something that was already wonderful. And it was just an assist really to, to Scotty's brewing ability. And, um, yeah, everything you see and I guess everything you read really just comes from that bolter and that meaning and that with enjoyment sentiment. We kind of keep that alive through everything we do. It's just such a different-looking brand and, and, you know, part of that is that it's on cans and it's just so clean and simple, as you said. Was there a deliberate intention to bring out something that was different to a lot of the other craft beer brands on the market? Yeah, I guess, you know, when we were setting up this business we obviously did a lot of research into everything we did you know design is, is something that i'm very passionate about 
you know, I work with a wonderful guy by the name of Lockie Goldsworthy who happens to be one of my best mates and, you know, he's a wonderful graphic designer and he really got the creative direction of sort of where I wanted to take the business and, and take the labelling and the aesthetic. And it was deliberate. I think the simplicity is a natural extension of both of us. We, we've never had a, a, we've never liked busy design to start with. So we're already in the space, but we did notice there was a lot of graphic driven brands out there. And yeah, it was probably a, a conscious effort to, to keep it simple and to maybe shy away from, I guess, some of the busyness that can come through in beer. Um, it doesn't mean any of that's wrong. It just wasn't right for us. And we wanted to create something that I guess represented us as people, but represented, I guess, good beer in 2016 when we started. And we wanted something that could sit in a retail environment and pop a little bit. You know, when you put all those white cans together, that strip sticks out on a shelf and it creates what we call a whiteout, I guess. So there is a, there is a practical element to that, that white can. And then you really just got to identify the colour you're after beyond that point. Yeah, so there was some deliberate sort of um, movements there to create something that, that stood out for sure. Sterling, I remember the first time uh, we met, we got chatting about relating colours to flavours or colours to emotions and that sort of thing, which is something I, think I really sort of connected with. Yeah. Talk us through um, sitting around the table with the boys when you sort of said, um, I want to tell you about how each of our beers is is going to have its own colour. Yeah, it's it's been um, quite a collaborative effort that with Scotty. I can I can never pronounce it right, but is it is it sense sense of Jesus or something like that? Where Scotty has this wonderful gift that he tastes colour. And whether it's bull crap or not, I don't know. But um, but he does. He says he tastes colour. But when we were coming up with the colours for our beer, you know, that green for me, the first colour we did it was people call it sea foam or sea mist or whatever they want to call it. But it, it, it's a nice green colour and that XBA to me was a beer that, that just exuded vibrancy. You know, it's got these floral and citrus notes happening on, on the nose, but then it's got this beautiful, broad, fruity palette, and it's got this bright bitterness in it. And basically, when it came out, it was just like, I can't see any other colour but this refreshing green-looking colour because that's how that beer makes me feel personally. And Scotty agreed, you know, he tasted green when he saw that XPA, even though the beer is, is, is a pale ale, you know. And it's really funny how... For me, I, I can't look back now and think of any other colour possibly right for that beer. And, you know, and then we went on through our range and, you know, you've got the alt brown and, you know, if you were to do a, a literal take on that and do a brown tin, I, I just don't think that, you know, gave that beer any justice because as soon as you say brown beer or you talk about the thing, people's minds go to a slightly more negative space. Like a lot of people have a predisposition where they don't like dark beer or whatever. So we wanted to create a can that kind of, made a more uplifting take on what maybe a brown beer would be. So we came out with this soft sort of orange colour that seems to be, you know, working quite well. And then back to Scotty's um, incredible ability to taste colour, my IPA for him tastes purple. And I'm not going to argue with the head brewer if he's tasting purple. And when he explained it to me, I kind of did as well. I kind of started to get those flavours. And whether I was getting sucked up in the distortion field, like they talk about Steve Jobs, he had this distortion field of getting sucked into Scotty's distortion field. Purple was the only logical colour for that can. And then there was just the Pilsner and, and, you know, just the classic beer beer. And for me, it's as simple as, you know, blue is refreshing. Blue is simple. Blue is clean. And that's everything that that beer is. And so blue it was. So, you know, it's as simple as is probably working off a feeling more than anything. To me, 
good design, good marketing, good branding, good anything is a lot of it's intuition. I think you've got to back that um, rather than try to overthink it. You can kind of overthink yourself into paralysis sometimes. And so for us, it's really about going with that intuitive feel and, and that's kind of how we come up with, with this colour set. With that in mind, Sterling, do you, and you've got very strong ideas on branding and, and what everything wrapping around the whole Bolter name, image, ethos needs to look like. Mm. Do you then, when you walk into a large liquor retailer and go to the beer shelves, can you not switch that off? Like, So when you look at other brands, do you just look at some <laughs> and go, what the fuck were you thinking or not thinking? Yeah, you know, I think um, people probably look at our brand and go, what the, what the fuck were you thinking or not thinking too, you know? So I think, you know, design is totally subjective. It's, it's up to the beholder, really, at the end of the day. Yeah, I, my whole life is in that space, so I'm not only hypercritical of my own work, I, I tend to be critical of everything I see, um, but also see what is good out there too. And I think you're constantly absorbing the good and bad of any part of your work or your line of work. Um, yeah, so I definitely walk in there and when I see our beer on the shelf, I'm, I'm proud of the way it sits. Um, I'm happy how it sits in that environment because it was designed for that environment, apart from also being designed to sit in someone's hand and that someone would hold that and feel proud to hold it wherever they are and that it would pop out of a Christmas environment or whatever environment it's sitting in. But yeah, I definitely walk into retail. Retail's a busy place at the best of time, you know, and I definitely walk in there and it can be quite overwhelming. And, you know, it's like going in and trying to choose a wine. It can be a very overwhelming experience. And I think our responsibility as people who own brands is to kind of make it as inclusive and as approachable as possible and, and try to just sort of simplify everything. You know, there's enough business out there. And, of course, we would never ask you question. to – yeah, yeah. And, look, we'd never ask you to, to name names. But if you were to name names <laughs> – no, no. no. Um, yeah. what, what what elements perhaps do you think that some um, in in their labelling or their their brand statement get wrong? Mate, for me, you know, I don't know whether I'm just trying to be politically correct or just you know I don't want to rock both, but uh, I think you know for me, our naming convention is something that I like. Sometimes these crazy names for these beers they're really fun and they're, they're cool, but I think sometimes they they are a bit overwhelming. And um, I think when people walk in and they're confronted with these names they don't really know what they're looking at or what is the beer and so you know i think we try to create a simple communication tool by calling it an ipa or an xpa or a brown beer or pills and like just trying to sort of break down that barrier to start with is super important but yeah you know to me I, i don't like it when your eye tracks all over the place like i love when good design brings you to a center point and, you know, you're kind of reading left to right and down the page. And I think, you know, good design really draws you into the centre of what you're trying to say. And, you know, so, so I think busy labels in general can make it a bit harder for the consumer. Mind you, there's some art out there on, on labels that is totally insane. It's very cool art. It's insane. Like, it nearly gives you a, a conniption. But at the same time, it's really good art. I don't know. But for me, I just wouldn't put it on a bottle that I, or a can that I was trying to sell. You know, just trying to make it clear and simple really so do you think with the increase in um the number of beers being canned that some people perhaps yeah. fall into the trap of saying mm-hmm. we've got a lot more real estate now to, to tell our story to um you know put lots more information and, and all that sort of thing and rather than and using bolter as the example rather than leaving it quite clean and um uh, and clear yeah i think possibly you know i don't know if everyone's got the luxury of having 
you know, a, an excellent designer on hand or, you know, there's so many elements that go into creating really nice packaging, you know, and so, you know, there's probably that element. But, yeah, maybe it, it's easy to get carried away. Like, it's easy to over-design. It's really hard to have restraint. And um, it, it's one of the most difficult things in, in branding and marketing to have restraint, especially when you've got a canvas that you can actually really go to town on. So, yeah, possibly people are getting drawn into that. You know, even just down to the conversation you have on the can, I guess the one thing that we've wanted to do is create the descriptor on the back to be a bit more conversational and a little less heavy. You know, I think uh, a brand that get it right really, really well is Pirate Life. Um, I'm a big fan of their packaging. You know, you see their, their stuff in store. It looks wonderful. Um, you know, I love their whole brewing process around the, the top of the lid. They've, they've taken that whole brewing process, which is quite complex, and just simplified it so wonderfully. And you sit there and you look at that and go, damn, I wish I thought of that, you know? Um, <laughs> it's one of those things. So, yeah, I think, yeah, you can get carried away with having too much canvas to play with. Um, but, you know, as, as time goes on and we all start challenging each other and everyone's sort of, you know, wanting to be better and better and better, I think, yeah, I think you'll see, a, you know, like the beer inside these cans, everyone's wanting to make better beer and challenge each other in that space. I think design will be the same thing and, um, I think we'll see some crazy stuff start to come out over in the coming years, you know. Stills, Matt here. Um, mate, you said right at the start that you weren't good on the books at school, you started work very young, but, you know, to hear you talk about marketing, you've obviously either picked up a lot along the way or you've had some very good teachers or you've, you have gone back and done some study. Where have you learned, uh, you know, y- your insights about marketing? Mate, that's, a, that's actually a really good question. Um, when I was uh, 18, I was asked uh, to leave the, the retail shop and come into marketing. And at the time, I didn't really know what it meant. When I was at school, there wasn't really a career path in creative direction or, or we weren't taught about it at least. You were sort of, it was like math and science and, you know, the creative arts wasn't really explored much or you were good at sport, you know. And um, I played a lot of sport at school and I enjoyed it. But the creative side of things came naturally for me. I love drama and I, I love, you know, performing. I love that whole side of things. And I just got very lucky with that path that I, I got in and I was surrounded by really good people. Then I just went on a journey of sort of self-discovery. Like, you know, I had to develop the internet for Billabong back in the late 90s and we were one of the first brands in the world to have a, a full-blown web presence, you know. And, and then there's social media before it was even called that in the early 2000s kicked into gear. And I didn't know what was happening at the time, but we were doing these really progressive things. But it, to me, it was just the job. It was the work and you just did it. And little did I know, it was really shaping my worldview on, on how to communicate with people. And, you know, social media happens in real time. And being an early adopter of that, it really um, allowed me to understand communicating with people. And I think starting in retail, you're dealing with people every day. Um, and then that progression to a digital sense really shaped and formed a fair bit of my thinking but I, I think it was good literature that really like I had all this stuff buzzing around in my head and because I didn't have any structured learning I possibly didn't know how to structure it and then I got onto this wonderful market or author by the name of Seth Godin back in the day you know maybe 15 years ago and Seth just kind of spoke the truth to me he really spoke about um you know, brands respecting their customers and not just peddling them bullshit that, you know, you have to start at a wonderful product and at that point you've got the ability to then at least tell authentic true stories and all this stuff really resonated to with me and um, I just started to formulate my own, my own beliefs out of that and at the crux of it all, in my job, I just don't want to be a liar. 
You know, you don't want to be a bullshit artist or you're just a used car salesman at the end of the day. And knowing that you start a product and then, you know, move out from that, I think that sort of shapes the way all my beliefs, you know, you've got to believe in what you're doing. But yeah, I guess I've self-taught and surrounded by great people. I think that's what I put on my LinkedIn bio. I've just had wonderful people. And like I said, you know, every great idea I've ever had, every award I've won for, for marketing or branding or whatever we've done, it's never been about me. It's always been about the project, number one, but the group of people that I've worked with on those projects. And I guess, to me, all great work comes from that collaboration. There you might be the guy with the vision or the idea or whatever it is, but you're only as good as the people you bring in to help bring that to life. And, you know, Seth Godin talked about um, the ability of, of bringing tribes together and, and bringing people together. And, you know, managers back in the day, they would sit there and polish their own statue and show everyone how great they were but leaders actually were all about the project and bringing people in and surrounding around the project so sort of replaced um, managers with, with leaders and I think for me when you're working with people people are inspired about the work they're not necessarily inspired to polish some egotistical managers trophy you know so I guess all these little things just culminated in the ability to I guess create brands and um, yeah here I am working in beer with my really good mates. You know, as a creative director by trade, there's no greater thing you can work on than beer. It's one of the best, most um, fertile grounds of discussion, you know, to be able to talk about and to brand and market and, and do all those things. So I've definitely stumbled into a massive loophole. <laughs> I can tell you that much. It, it, it's interesting because, you know, you, you look at the the big breweries and they uh, get people in who have, you know, and one of the criticisms is, oh, you know, they're, they're just fast-moving consumer goods salesmen. And, you know, they've, they've worked for Unilever, they've worked for Procter & Gamble, they go work one of the big breweries and they're just flogging units. But to hear you talk, that's essentially what you're doing, but you also have a, a love for the product as well. Is that a fair observation? Yeah, 100%. You know, I think that's been the success of Big Beer for years is they actually can't talk about the product. So they talk about the periphery of what happens in beer. You know, it's quite aspirational, but their product doesn't live up to that aspiration. Now, you get a good beer company who can blend the world of, of that aspiration, but also great beer, and you've got a pretty powerful vehicle to communicate. And um, we're definitely unashamed of being able to create that excitement and and what we're doing here because most people you come in contact with, they don't want to be hit between the eyes with a conversation about hops and malt and yeast and water. You know, that's something you have to earn. So we like to chat about the aspiration of beer as well and, and agree that, you know, beer smiley that sits on the front of um, our building is the one thing we all agree on. And then they're like, okay, I'll try your beer. And then they try the beer and they're like, oh, wow, I really like the beer. And I think at that point, you've got permission then. They've trusted you and you've got permission to actually talk to them in greater depth about why that beer is great. And so we try to approach our communication like that and, and we, we like to keep what we do fun and uplifting. And then once people decide that, hey, we like both, we like what you stand for, then you can have these deeper discussions around your philosophy around beer. And then hopefully you're educating people into greater knowledge of beer um, and you're setting them off on their own good beer journey in their own right, you know, and yeah, that's, that's our approach anyway. Now, this is a bit of a, a curly one, I guess, off the cuff, but we've heard about your marketing of Bolter. But if you were suddenly responsible for marketing beer, if, if, you know, if it was your job to lift the profile, and you know, how would you sell beer to people? Like in terms of the good beer movement or, or beer 
in general. Well, yeah, look, at the moment, there's a lot of discussion about what is craft beer or independent beer. If, if you were responsible for changing consumers' habits in the beer space, um, what would you be focusing on? Would you be focusing on elements of craft or independence or the liquid? Yeah, I, I kind of, there's two elements. So number one, it's, it's the product, so the flavour. What are you actually putting in your mouth and, and the quality of that? So let's just talk good beer, really. So for me, that whole space is as simple as good beer is for everybody. That's people who are already into it, to people who have never even thought about it. You know, Ben Harper, the musician, once said, um, you, you might not like a, a Ben Harper song today, but I guarantee you one day I'm going to make a song that you love. You know, and he's such an eclectic songmaker. He makes such a broad variety of music. And his take is that, you know, within that broad spectrum, one day you'll like a Ben Harper song. And I think good beer is the same. Like, you know, it's so diverse what good beer is, you know. And I think people can find their entry point in that rather than being this one lineal style. And so to me, the message of good beer is for everybody would definitely be the starting point. I don't really care about the term craft beer. You know, it doesn't, again, it's subjective and there's so much argument around it. So why would you want to market something that everyone's arguing about the, the meaning of? But I think everyone can agree on good beer and good beer is subjective and the good beer companies are out there doing their best to show you what it is, you know. So that's probably just in the simplest form is good beer is for everybody and just taking that discussion to the people. One thing we see breweries go through um, periodically is the rebranding process. Um, Sterling, do you think that yeah. like any brand has a particular life cycle where at some point it's going to need a refresh? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, they, they all do. You know, being at Billabong, I saw them quite refresh their brand about seven times in that process, uh, rightly or wrongly. You know, it happens a lot, but... You know, to me, too, good design is, is fairly timeless. You know, I think, you know, if you if you look at the, the Nike swoosh, for example, it's very, very simple, but it's rarely taken on too many forms or shapes or had to be reinvented too much, you know. I feel when a brand can create something that is of that nature, you probably have, you're less likely to have to do that. But, yeah, it, it's a natural part of most brands' life cycle, but some brands have to do it more dramatically than others, just probably depending on what, um, foundation they're starting on, I guess. You know, I'm sure Bolter will have tweaks over the years to come, but there's a foundational element to what's going on there that will stay quite solid, you know. Um, you guys have just launched your first limited edition beer, and it's interesting uh, discussing earlier on how the thought that goes into the different colours of the cans. Now, this beer is a stout, and it's in a white can. Tell us about that. <laughs> yeah, so... Black Metal Disco is its name. It's the only time we ever venture out from naming beers what they're called is when we do our limited releases. So every time we do a limited, it'll, it'll have a, I guess, a slightly fancier name. Elements that stay the same are the little smiley at the top of the can, uh, the rectangle and the band around the bottom. So those elements are non-negotiable um, in terms of the design aesthetic. But Black Metal Disco is, is a, basically a contrast. You know, you've got Black Metal and Disco. You've got these two worlds coming together that probably shouldn't coexist, but they do, and they are doing it harmoniously. And I think that um, sort of represents stout as a bit of a category. I think you say the word stout to a lot of people and they throw their hands up in the air like you're going to shoot them and they're like, I don't drink it, I don't touch it. And, and they just have this preconceived idea that it's either bitter or angry or, or ashy and, and it just can't be nice. And... 
I think what this does is this beer, and, and it's what a lot of great stouts do in the good beer movement, is it just blows people's preconceived ideas away. Now, when we put this beer on in our tap room a year ago, people just loved the name. So they were disarmed immediately from, from this. They read it as a stout on the, on the subtext. and like, oh, okay, but I really like the name. I'll, I'll give it a try. And you're saying things like espresso and chocolate and, and all these things that, that come out of this beer. And then they try it. And they're completely disarmed. Their eyebrows go up, a smile hits their head. And what we found is we had all these women coming in to drink this beer. And their blokes were sitting here drinking stout with them. And it was just really, these worlds were contrasting. And this beer was creating all this different friction that, I guess, comes with saying the word stout. And so black beer, white can, it's the opposite. You know, just like the name is, black metal, disco. Um, you've got a contrast there. By nature, it's it's changing people's ideas or perceptions. So I guess it's just a can full of deliberate contradictions, I guess. And it's kind of our ode to that beer and what it's been able to do to people's taste buds. So, yeah, probably just ramble on with a bunch of bullshit, but that's how it came. <laughs> <laughs> Sterling, I think we've discussed this and we've certainly discussed it on Radio Brews News and Matt and I have spoken about it over many a beer. Sometimes when you have, uh, you know, inverted commas, you know, celebrity owners, there's always one element of, and it's generally, you know, comes through in social media that, oh, you know, the beer is really being held up because, uh, you know, by the, the fact that the guys are, are well known and it's not necessarily the beer standing on its own two feet. Um, obviously, the AIBA gongs that you guys uh, achieve kind of knock that on the head. Did you guys, I guess, sit down afterwards and, and uh, in around the table and raise a glass to those people and sort of say, here's a big can of shut the fuck up? <laughs> yeah, I... You know, I actually don't think it's in Bolter's nature, actually, to, to even want to kind of tell people I told you so. I think, you know, we always knew where our hearts were at when we started this business. You know, like we discussed a bit earlier, the very beginning of all this was about good beer. Even before we had the name, it was about good beer. And, you know, we always knew from day one that that's where we wanted to head. And I remember having the first conversation with the boys about starting this jury. And I told them, I said, look, guys, I'm not here to create another surf brand and you won't be the face of, of this beer. Um, this isn't about Mick Fanning or Parker or Beat or Josh Kerr. It's not about surfing because good beer is, is bigger and better and broader than, than any of those topics, right? Good beer is for everyone, like the saying. And so from the very first day, it was, for us, it was just always about that. You know, the fact that uh, we got acknowledged on, on that platform um, for doing really great work, it was wonderful. Like, we were really chuffed by all that. And um, we definitely raised the glass in the sense that we're really proud of their achievement. And, um, you know, I think Scotty probably felt a lot more pressure than anyone else. You know, he, he's such a passionate brewer. He's such a dedicated brewer and he's such a master of his art. And um, I think when you get acknowledged in front of your peers to hitting the highest mountaintop of that, it's a real wonderful feeling. I think there was a real sense of relief there for him, you know, in that essence. And I think for us, we were really thrilled for Scott as well but for us you know it's just a wonderful accolade but you're only as good as the last beer you put out and and for us it's a starting point it's not a finishing point we want to continue to hit those heights I guess and um, we've never made beer for awards but it's really nice to get them you know we're probably more thrilled about being voted number four on the hottest 100 you know that's the people voting that's the people who actually drink your beer and getting behind you and getting behind what you do so that's that sort of stuff probably means a lot more to us. But in terms of a big uh, fuck you, nah, not really. Um, 
you know, I think when you just focus on doing good work, it speaks for itself at the end of the day. And I think we just raised one to the team. Probably the, the coolest thing um, out of all this, you know, when, you know, that star power that comes with these surfers, you know, I think it's pretty clear that we'd never use them really in marketing. Um, we don't use surfing as a marketing tool. We don't really do any of that stuff. It's always about the beer. What was wonderful is last year when we were at Gab's, you know, everyone knew us as Mick Fanning's Brewery, you know, and um, we poured our first uh, beer at a festival at Gab's last year and it was really exciting. But, you know, it was Mick Fanning's Brewery. You know, a year later, you know, we poured beer for thousands of people during Gab's and only a couple of people actually came up and said, oh, is this, is this Mick's Brewery? You know, so within sort of 12 to, to 16 months, we've nearly shaken the whole celebrity thing anyway. And people are coming up going, oh, you've got your black metal disco on or you've got this on. And they're just talking about Bolter and they're talking about the beer. And I thought it might take a couple of years to achieve that. And to have that sort of happening so quickly is probably something I'm, I'm most proud of. And, and that to me is just a, a reflection of Scotty and the, and the beer he's made. Um, it's a reflection of, I guess, the brand we've built. And it's a reflection of, of the, the whole team and the people who work behind the scenes here. And the beer is standing on its own. And, mate, that's what we raised the glass for. So, it's, yeah, pretty cool. Right, beautifully put. Well, Sterling, we might leave it there and uh, let you get back to yeah. your day. But thanks so much for chatting to us on Beer is a Conversation. Mate, it's my pleasure. You know, we obviously love what you guys do. And thanks for taking the time out to have a chat to us. We really do appreciate it. We might take some of your branding advice on board with our own site. Hey, you never know, mate. I'll be happy to get any feedback or whatever. <laughs> I come from a web design background too, so if you, you know, if you want to, uh, if you want a bit of feedback, let us know. I'll be more than happy. Be careful what you are, what you wish for there. I think. <laughs> yeah. No. No. I, I'm a man of my word. So there you go. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Sterling. We'll see. See you later. Uh, thanks for your time, guys. Yeah. Cheers. Thanks, Sterling. That was Sterling Howland. If you enjoy Radio Brews News and Beer as a Conversation. Please rate us and leave a review on your favourite podcasting app like iTunes. We look forward to joining you next week for another conversation about beer.